Hi, and welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by FunkinStuff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I'm your host, musicologist and author Scott, Dr. Jake Goldfine, and whether you're watching to the video version on YouTube or at FunkinStuff.net or listening on Spotify, iTunes, Google, anywhere podcasts are available pretty much, as always, I thank you so much for your continued interest and support of the program. Speaking of which, be, uh, be sure you subscribe if you haven't done so al already. Subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube and get special benefits. also want to give a shout-out to the Funk Hall of Fame and Exhibition Center in Dayton, Ohio, of which I'm proud, very proud, to be an official Funk Ambassador. Go to thefunkcenter.org to learn more and help keep the funk alive. This episode of Truth and Rhythm features a founding member of one of the greatest and most influential female vocal groups of all time, Wanda Hutchinson of the dynamic soul R&B trio, The Emotions. Along with her sisters, Jeanette and Sheila, The Emotions started their professional recording careers teams in the 1960s. Signed by Stax Records and working closely with, among others, Isaac Hayes, they released some two dozen singles through the mid-1970s. During that career phase, the young ladies notched eight top 40 R&B hits in the United States, topped by So I Can Love You in 1969, which reached number three on the R&B chart and also cracked the pop top 40. However, Wanda and her sisters achieved a whole new level of fame and success after their one-of-a-kind sound and harmonies inspired Earthwind and Fires, Charles Stepney and Maurice White to sign them uh, they signed them as part of EWF's production deal with Columbia Records. From the back half of the 1970s to the front half of the 1980s, the Emotions sent nine more hits, dance floor anthems and ballads alike, into the U.S. R&B Top 40. Those included classics like Flowers, I Don't Want to Lose Your Love, the chart-topping crossover smash, Best of My Love, Don't Ask My Neighbors, Smile, and teaming up with EWF, Boogie Wonderland. The Hutchinson siblings scored three platinum and gold albums and performed around the world in support of superstar acts like EWF, the Commodores, and the Brothers Johnson. Among their accolades were American Music and Grammy Awards. Although they stopped releasing their own albums during the 1990s, the emotions contributed to music made by Nancy Wilson, L.O. Cool J, George Duke, Smokey Robinson, Snoop Dogg and their old friends, EWF. Here, Wanda Hutchinson takes us back to the group's childhood origins through the stacks in Columbia years, all the way to a present day in which she is continuing to perform and mentoring her own three singing daughters, one of, one, one of whom, Wendy, is heard off camera in this interview and helped facilitate it. So, thank you. Special thanks out to Wendy. Now, it's time to rejoice with the effervescent. Wanda Hutchinson and the story of the emotions. It is an, indeed a delight to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership singer composer Wanda Hutchinson, a founding member along with her sisters of the legendary soul vocal group The Emotions. Wanda, so good to have you. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Oh, uh, a long awaited interview with you. <laughs> yes, well worth yeah. the wait. I would wait forever, so. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, is it, it's a beautiful where you are. It's a sunny day. 
well, it's rainy and cold here today, but uh, yeah, I miss, that's one thing I miss about Southern California. Oh yeah, that's true. It's beautiful here today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I've been a fan ever since um, geez, when I was in school in the seventies and you're hearing those hits on the radio. So, you know, that, that was back when our lives revolved around the radio, you know? So, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when radio was more in the community than it is now. I mean, uh, I know we would listen to the radio and we'd actually hear about what's happening down the street later on that day, but <laughs> it's different. Yeah. Yes. So ready to uh, do a little time machine yes. thing? And All right. <laughs> We're going back to 1957. Well, when Daddy first, we had the Hutchison Sunbeams. We were uh, four, five, six years old on the Jerry Van Dyke show in Terry Haute, Indiana. And we won the, the show, uh, the, how you say it, there were three or four artists and we sung Christian Automobile. Um, my father was playing guitar. We were the Hutchinson Sunbeams. And his mother, uh, Marie Hutchinson, she was the talent coordinator for the Jerry Van Dyke show, <laughs> which recorded out of Terre Haute, Indiana which is where my dad is from. And my mom's from Greenville, Mississippi. And uh, we were singing, uh, tell him what you want. I got a telephone in my bosom and I can ring him up from my heart. That's an old goody one <laughs> from the day. And dad would sing it. And uh, we won that particular performance. And then we had one more to do. And it was the Ted Mack Amateur Hour. Do you remember Ted yeah. Mack in uh, 58, 59? <laughs> so you know how long ago that lasts. <laughs> but we were a gospel group starting out as the Hutchison Sunbeams. And uh, my dad uh, called us, well, Hutchison, we were the Hutch Stereos, then the Hutchison Sunbeams, uh, Three Ribbons and a Bow. <laughs> and then when the record companies got in, they wanted to be three girls. No bow. No. <laughs> well, that's the truth. But that's way down the line. We're still at the 58-59 in Chicago. We were singing every Sunday uh, at the Al Abrams Pontiac. Uh, it was a place where my father worked, where he met Don Cornelius, just so happened. But he worked there. They uh sold insurance and on Sundays they'd have a gospel show and we were the first half hour of the gospel show and then it would be the Norfleet brothers then it would be the staple singers mm -hmm. but that was the beginnings 1957 58 59 and we were still singing gospel and dad was then he would well they would call him Reverend Hutchinson even though he wasn't <laughs> a reverend but uh because we would sing, we'd sing at Mahalia Jackson's church every two Sundays uh, for about three years. And we did the Passion Play where we were the angels in the Passion Play, the story of Christ. Uh, am I going too fast? <laughs> That's okay, let me just jump in real quick. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> where, where are you in terms of like, you know, age with your sisters? Who's the oldest, who's the middle? Right, we're a year apart. Uh, 1951, 52, 53. Well, actually, because she was 53. 54. Okay. 
50 was Jeanette, 51 was me, 53 was Sheila. Because wow. December, she was January, so the year changed. <laughs> but you're part, each of us. And I remember when we went down to the union to sign up to be able to sing on TV, and they've had all of our socials in uh, chronological order. So we were like 14, 15 or something when we uh, first started at the union. So, which is a great thing. <laughs> and tell, tell, us, tell us who's uh, talking to you off camera, just so viewers know. Oh, right. That's my daughter, Wendy. <laughs> She's a techie. <laughs> with us. Um, that's why it took us so long to get together, Scott, because I'm not the techie, uh, the button pusher, but Wendy knows all this, how to do. Yes. Excellent. So did you guys have any formal training or was it all pretty much from the church? And um... Actually, uh, my father had a singing group called the Wings of Heaven. They would rehearse uh, on the weekends or actually Thursday night, Friday nights at our house. And my father was the one who gave everybody their parts. And he was called then the fifth singer, which is today like, uh, what's the, um, from, from Motown. The fifth singer? The, yes. He, he was the, uh, I mean, the high singer in the oh. group, which then was the fifth singer because now it was, it was what? So like for the tenor? Like yeah, the, the first tenor, tenor, first tenor. Yeah. Well, who's the best first tenor there is at Motown? <laughs> Smokey, Smokey Robinson. My father yeah. had that kind of range. Okay. And so he would teach his groups uh, the ways of heaven. They give them their parts. So while he was uh, coming up with the songs, he played guitar. And so he would have us come in and sing this part, then that part. And then when the guys come, he would show them the arrangement with us singing it. And uh, we weren't really trying to be a group then. Dad was just using us <laughs> to show his group of the song, the arrangement that he had come up with. And he had a voice like uh, the guy in the spinners. Uh, Philip Wynn? Yes, Philip Wynn. And so my father had that voice. Sheila was first soprano. Jeanette, second soprano. I was alto, second alto. So I sung all the Gladys Knight songs, Aretha Franklin and um, Mavis Staples. And Sheila sang Sarah Vaughn, all the jazz singers. And the um, that was just her range. And she was the melty, uh, or how do you say, uh, ballad singer in the group. I sang all the fast songs. And Jeanette sang the mostly up-tempo songs and gospel with us. And did, we did, were singing at my father's church, too. I mean, my mom's church. Her father was pastor, Reverend Horton. And we would sing at his church uh, on Sunday, the first one on Sunday mornings. Then we would go to Al Abrams Pontiac and sing in the showroom around all the Pontiacs. <laughs> They'd set up a microphone right there in the showroom. And everyone would come down to see us. And then they would get to sell them cars. I said, boy, that's a great idea. They should do that today. Uh, and it, it brought the community together. You got to know who was, you know, your neighbor. But, uh, did you, I'm sorry to interrupt, but did, did you always feel uh, comfortable performing or did it take a while for you to gain that? Well, we I think we felt comfortable because we call ourselves daddy's second group because his group was the Wings of Heaven and we wanted to sing like them. 
who's like, oh, wow, look at the tenor singer. Oh, look at him squalling. How does he do that? You know? Mom, and, you told me that you would sometimes get nervous stomach or shoulder coming up. Was that later? Oh, yeah. Once we got to be on stage, when, when we were singing at Papa's church, Grandpa's church, or we weren't nervous then. And then, but when it came to being on stage or um, in front of the microphone, we were kind of, you know, I would get some flies, but that was mostly when Earth, Wind, and Fire came in the picture because we thought they was like so great. How could we be able to show with them? Scott, you have to know, there's a there's a term that Aunt Sheila and them use called butterflies. So those are their oh, little right. like, right? When, they're, when they're nerves right before a show. Yeah, That's right. butterflies it's in your stomach, yeah. Yeah. Especially when they're counting down, you know that countdown they do, four, three, two, what, go, and boy, <laughs> when they push that finger at you, you're like, what am I doing? <laughs> but thank goodness, Dad was the one that usually had to say something first or play the guitar, and uh, we we loved the way Dad wrote his songs. He had we had one that was our stick called in that day the Christian automobile. Uh, uh, I'm running for Jesus, just like an automobile. And it was from the Soulsters actually came out with it. They were the first ones we heard sing it. And then dad's group would sing it. And uh, every Sunday there was a three o'clock tea somewhere. And either we would be the guest or dad's group would be the guests at uh, different services. And the one we love most is, is the one with uh, Mahalia Jackson over on 87th. Uh, that's what we would we would go there and sing it. Boy, when I heard her voice, I was like, oh, Lord, what kind of voice is this? And my whole skin would shake. And I was like, Dad, what is that? What is that? And it was uh, only few people had that. You know, Mavis Hassett, Mahalia Jackson, uh, you know, folks like that. Gladys, she has that kind of voice. That Aretha. Anyway, but those are the singers that I, I uh, patterned myself after. Let's, let me ask you a little bit about those amazing harmonies, you know, so I think, you know, one of the very distinguishable things about the emotions when you became mm -hmm. emotions is just the way that blend is. And I think it's unique, maybe yeah. because of just, you know, being sisters, being so close in age and all those factors. Oh, yes. what, what in your mind made your sound and harmonies special mm. unique? That's something because I, I remember that was really a stickler on us singing uh, our notes and our pronunciation so that anyone, no one can hear you and say, oh, that's a black group or that's a this group. That's good. We sounded just like a, a generic. And, and my father was a stickler there because he wanted everyone to understand the lyrics. And I remember with each uh, record company that we would go with and they would say, wow, it's amazing, you guys' lyrics, everybody can understand the lyrics and we sing them all together. But my father would have the rehearsals that go, A-I-O, you know those, A-I-O. And we all have to sing it exactly alike and he would take them. He would take them on a little cassette player and then at the end he'd play it back and he'll tell us which one was not in step, which one was a little out, which one, and I was like, oh, I don't know anyone that, that teaches like that today. But my father was like a, a really a stickler for being in sync with time and also with the notes. Uh, I was the most challenged with, with uh, flatness and sharpness. 
that means singing a little under the note sometimes. And it's probably, my father said, because of my vibrato. I had more vibrato naturally in my voice than Sheila. Sheila would sing straight tones. And Jeanette was a breathy, right in the middle type uh, voice. And it was always the blend. Her note would always be the one that brought me and Sheila together. And that blend that you're talking about, like on flowers, that's a perfect one. We hold the key to the world's destiny. And I, I wish I could sing a little of it. I'm a little under the weather. I don't know if you could hear it in my throat, but I was like, okay. But that's what my father would do. He'd have us sing it. And we would not just sing it once. We'd have to sing it three or four times and he would record each one. And then he'd have us listen to it and say, who's out of key? And we're like, hmm, aren't you supposed to know that? <laughs> no, no, but no, that's the way he would do it. And, and uh, we said, oh, well, he said, now here's the note. Where's your note? And then he would play it. And then, of course, we'd hear it. And we were a little under or maybe we were a little sharp. And he said, we got to correct that. Because if you're going to be the best, he was always about being the best. And how he would call it, because one day you will be bigger than bubblegum. He would tell us that. And we was like, why does he always say that? Why does he always? And we, we love bubblegum. But we was like, hmm bigger than bubblegum. And now, of course, we got to know that that meant everyone would know you because everybody knows bubblegum, you know. <laughs> but uh, that was his uh, saying. One day you guys will be bigger than bubblegum. He was prophetic with that. Uh, that's for yes. sure. <laughs> so tell us, um, Wanda, how, you know, the steps for you getting signed to a record deal. There was in Chicago, which a lot of good singers came out of Chicago, a Regal Theater. Uh, it was on 47th Street. And when we first saw Ronnie Millsap, I don't know, never had it so good, that guy. Uh, we were on the stage with them and the Twine Time brothers. It's Twine Time. That was the 60s. I, I, you may remember. <laughs> and they were on the actual show. Well, that night, the talent that at the end of the show on that Wednesday night was us, the five stair steps. And uh, there was one more group out of Chicago. <laughs> okay. But the five stair steps, us, was it? No, not the Jones girls. Uh, five stairs. Uh, it was our guys from Gary because they would come in on the... But they would come there for the talent shows because there were no talent shows in Gary, Indiana. <laughs> you had to come to Chicago. But anyway, we were all on there that night. And the prize that night was a contract with uh, CBS Records. And uh, was it CBS or Stax at that time? Because oh. 69, we were with Stax. That was our first one. So it had to be Stax. And we won that night. There were uh, these comedians who were still out here now, as a matter of fact, that was on the show. And they were like, oh, wow, it's so hard to make up. You know, people were clapping. I was like, oh, wow, the five stairs just got this. And we were just going, oh, my God. So we sung a gospel song that we would always start out with, which was Christian Automobile. And then a song that Sheila wrote, So I Can Love You. Uh, how did it go? Oh, yeah, come on back. Come on back. I'm not ready to let you go. We sung that song, and it was the one that took the prize that night. And then the Staples singers, Purvis Staples, 
was our manager. Him and dad did a lot of shows uh, together. They promoted shows in the area for us. And uh, what was the guy who did the, uh, uh, the twist? Chubby Checker. Chubby Checker. He was there. The, uh, there was a lot of people there from uh, the Impressions in Chicago. Uh, and, but they always would come to hear us sing, mostly because they knew dad. And, and they knew his group because his group was really known in Chicago. <laughs> The wings of heaven, but uh, we did that show uh, at the Regal Theater, and that was our contract. Isaac Hayes uh, came there, and it, as you know, the Staples Singers was with Stax Records back in the day, and that's why Purvis Staples got us our first thing with Stax Records. We got our first uh, recording uh, deal with Stax Records, and it was so exciting for us. Because, of course, Isaac Hayes, <laughs> who was the, I mean, just the writer personified. And, uh, I mean, oh, that's right, Charles Stepney was after Stax. At, at Stax, it was Isaac Hayes, plus the girl, Betty Crutcher, uh, the guys that wrote uh, for Sam and Dave. Uh, oh, gosh, they were great. Anyway, all of them were at the record company. They all had a song for us. But it seems like Isaac Hayes would pick the songs that we wrote or that dad wrote. Toys to Boys, that was one. And then uh, Toys to Boys, I went Toys to Boys. And I know when we were just on Quest Radio, Quest is a drummer uh, uh, out with, what's the name of their? Quest Love. Mm -hmm. That's the name of his on the cyberspace. And he was giving me all the songs we had written back in that day in 69, and I had forgotten them. And this guy was playing them on the radio uh, for us. He said, well, who did this song? It says you wrote it. I said, I did, and I had forgot. <laughs> I had written that song, and he knew them all. And I was like. I, I have a list of some of them. Yeah, but, 69, um, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, um, I have a list of, uh, and their chart positions and, and so forth. So, um, So I Can Love You was the big breakthrough was the big one in 69 sheila wrote and it was about her and her boyfriend and they had gone to a dance and there was a girl there that was trying to take her, her dances away from her and her boyfriend and she says oh that's it so i can love you a little bit more come on back <laughs> see and that was a big seller because of that guy and everybody in our school knew it but you know, no one else. <laughs> that was a great song. And then the one Jeanette wrote, Boy, I'm Tired of You. Boy, I'm Tired of You. I can play your game too. I hear you're going to be with her again tomorrow. And and that one, we were doing a song at the Staple Singer, uh, at the Staple Center. And the uh, it was mostly Latinos. And the whole audience, and I mean, these were groups from the 60s, us, the everyone, uh, Betty uh, Wright. And they wanted to hear the song that I just sung. I said, that came out in 68. How would you guys know that song? And they said, it plays on some station, a Latino station. Like, and they knew every lyric. And I was like, wow. I didn't. Songs, songs oh, okay. timeless. I mean, that's what's so wonderful about them. Yeah. Um, how did how did it feel to you know hear yourselves on the radio and have a hit and? Oh my gosh, uh, it was uh, uh, it it was fun. It was a little scary 
because we would go to school and then some people were, some kids were like, you know, oh, you think you're something just because you got to go to the radio. And then some would be like, oh, I'd like to sing that song, Joe. Let's sing it in the talent show. And I love doing that when people would say, come on, let me sing you guys' song. And then they, because I would invite people, as you may know, and Sheila on stage to sing their favorite song with us. And uh, that was a good uh, starter when we first started doing live shows. And some people did that, but not, not too many. Denise Williams, oh, who was so prolific on stage, oh my God. But anyway, cause she wrote for us two or three songs off the uh, first, the Flowers album with uh, Earth, Wind & Fire. But anyway, I, I like people coming up singing our songs and, and hearing their rendition of our songs or, or how they feel we were doing this or that. Or like when I Don't Want to Lose Your Love, that was on the Flowers album. And when it came out, when BNGB did it, and they were also, oh, why are they singing the wrong words? <laughs> but, but they would have the harmonies almost, but they were always a little off of Sheila's part usually, because dad used to arrange our harmonies. Uh, the first part of the song, it would be in the first, uh, what do you call the, um, when it's, Domicio, it would be the first register of whatever key you were in. You sung the first register in the low harmony. The second time you got to the second course, by the time you got to, I don't want to lose your love. I don't want to lose your love. Don't want. Well, then you were in the second register. And then the third one, oh, oh, oh. that's the third register, where that was a staple with us. That was a signature of ours. Do, 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 we would always start it low, take it up, take it up. And a lot of people say, oh, boy, Maurice came up with that. No, dad came up with that. <laughs> and we, would, we sung like that even with the gospel songs. So it was always the, um, what do you call interval? The, the three, the harmony parts. The first harmony part would be the, what do you call the first intervals? Um, one, one, three, five, the yeah, first register. The first register. That's what it is. Uh, that, what was I know. that was probably the song that introduced me to the emotions because I was in, oh, you know, like middle school or whatever at that time. And um, right. so, yeah, yeah. So, um, that, you know, I had to, I later discovered all the, you know, earlier works and, and, and the existence prior to being part of, you know, Maurice White's stable. So right. uh, yeah. it was really interesting to see all the, you know, history that you had before that. Um, when when and how did the name go from Sunbeams to Emotions? How did that process? Wow, uh, that's amazing. Cause when we were the Hutchison Sunbeams, it was like, why can't we keep this name? And so, well, you need one more poppy, one that the, you know, the people can just roll off their tongue. Hutchinson, Hutchinson. Oh, I guess you can't roll that off, <laughs> off your tongue. But my father, he said, it's amazing because when you guys sing, people would either cry or they would just dance and, and just be overwhelmed with joy. He said, hmm, they do all the emotions. You can see, see someone going through, maybe if they were in love or if they were, in, it, it just seems like the emotion would be on their faces. And that came up with that. He says, well, the emotion, that'd be perfect. We had a few others uh, names that we came up with, but not as good as the emotions. So. What, what year do you think it was that you officially became the emotions? Well, the first uh, 
with So I Can Love You. In 69, when we came out with our first, we became the emotions on the first Stax albums. Because the only other time we were any Hutchins and Sundays is the gospel. But when we switched over to uh, Rhythm and Blues, which my grandmother swore we not make it to heaven because of that. <laughs> but uh, she got all right with it after a while. But she said, well, we said, Grandma, you know, there are people who fall in love, who actually fall in love, you know, like God would want us to fall in love, find their mates and find their husband through music. So that's, a, so we got her to see it that way, that she was more, you know, and then she saw we were, you know, singing about good stuff and not talking about people bad. And, <laughs> and uh, it was always uplifting. And we always tried to do that. People sometimes would give us songs that had something to do with the period of the time or something. And we would uh, do them if we could always show that there is a positive to every negative. There's a positive. If there's something happened, if someone did this, there's a way you can turn that into a positive. So mm -hmm. that's the. Uh, you know, that give you a thought. Uh huh. Won't you come to me from the negative pole to a negative vibe? Positive vibe of the land. Yes. Of high energy. What was that from, Wendy? That's your song. <laughs> you wrote that. All right. Um, Time is passing by. Time is passing by. Me and my brother. That's right. The second album, the Rejoice album, as a matter of fact. Uh, the first album was with, with Maurice, was uh, Flowers. And. Uh, then we go, then a Sunbeam album, and then Smile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Flowers uh, in 76 uh, got up to number five. Um, yeah. What, how, well, first off, how did you, I mean, was it Char Stephanie that connected you with Maurice White, or how did you come to be part of that whole scene? Well, let me tell you, there is a guy, my father's friend, Ron Ellison, and he was uh, at that time working with Warner Brothers. I believe he was a drummer and he knew him and Maurice were great friends. And then uh, uh, Ron Ellison introduced Maurice to my father and he, they lived, uh, he lived in Chicago at that time because Maurice was in Tennessee, but in Memphis. So, but he had moved to Chicago. I didn't know him then when he first got his, and he was always with Donnie Hathaway. He was with the jazz singer down at Ratso's, you know, and everybody would go just to see this band play, right? And so Ron knew my father and knew that we sang. He would come to Mahalia Jackson's church and hear us, and he would come to the play on Sundays and come down to the Al Abrams Pontiac. And uh, we, we got a show that came on every Sunday, a half hour show, uh, gospel show and he would always come down there and Don Cornelius, they were all friends. And so um, dad, is that your question? What, why, how did we meet? How, how uh, you got involved with Maurice White and that whole, yeah. you know, consigned, consigned to his label. Oh, and signed to, uh, actually, when Ron had us meet him over at Charles Stephanie's house, we were, it had to be 6.30 in the morning. That was the only time he could meet with us because he was playing at the music center with, uh, Minnie Ripperton, and that was the only time that he had to meet with us while everybody was in town. We got over there, we were up in his living room, we heard the most heavenly music coming from below us, and that was Charles Stepney on that grand piano <laughs> playing something him and Minnie Ripperton were gonna do later at the music center. And we was like, wait a minute, the R Minnie Ripperton that I, he's gonna be there tonight? He said, you guys wanna go? 
that did it. I mean, I've never, and I've never been to classical, actual music. But what he asked us when we came down there, do you guys have any songs? No one ever asked us that. They usually just come out pulling songs that they have for us. And he said, oh, yeah, we do. I sat down at the piano. I played, I played about five or six songs. I Don't Lose Your Love, How Can You Stop Loving Someone, uh, Time Is Passing, uh, just about, you know, song. But the one that, I, uh, that took uh, Stephanie's ear was How Can You Stop Loving Someone? How can you, how can you stop loving the one you do? And he was telling me that that was a Beethoven, number nine, you know, whatever. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a Beethoven what? And he told me it came from a sonata, that Beethoven. I said, well, I, I, I mean, I've heard of Beethoven, but I didn't know he had a song or anything that sounds anything like this. He said, well, it's so familiar. Let me play it for you. I was like, that's my song. And I was like, oh, wow. They, I mean, it just was an eerie thing. And Stephanie just thought it was a sign. You know, he's like, wow. He said, you know, you have the kind of uh, melody thing as Maurice, my buddy Maurice. I was like, and I know Maurice was a drummer. I'm like, why can't I have a melody like Maurice? But I got to know what he was talking about. He's talking about uh, writing, you know, the way you write songs. And you hear ninths and sevenths and thirteenths when other folks just hear major, minor, and you hear the outside of the box like Maurice. And I mean, after a while, I felt so honored. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I mean, I've never written anything with these songs, but I, you know, wow. But anyway, Stephanie, he really made me feel great about that and made me wanna uh, produce other singers. That's what happened. And I started a production company, that's a whole nother thing. But um, when I start listening to people like in the choir or in the, I said, you guys got to come over. We got to write something. You guys are great. And I was like, you know, doing things like that. But when he heard, I don't want to lose your love. And then Sheila had two songs. Jeanette had two or three songs. Can't you see that this good feeling sure could be what you need? And it was more reggae. Jeanette wrote those kind of songs, you know. He said, wow, you guys got the gamut. You got Sheila with the jazz, with the uh, Sarah Vaughan thing. And then there you are with the gospel. You got that squall. And I learned that squall from my father's group. But anyway, you got that squall, that squall and bless it. That and I do. Peace be still. And peace be still. That's mm -hmm. right. I got it from there. And uh, but anyway, uh, Marcus is like, hey, you know what? We're going to take these songs. The one Denise sent me. Denise sent you some song, boy, me for you. I don't know if you remember it on the Flowers album. And uh, got to be the man. What's the other one? Anyway, she. And I was like, wow. Did she know us when she wrote these songs? She said no. She wrote these songs, you know, she didn't know, <laughs> know you guys. I just always fear when I write for someone, I, I want to know what they sound like. But she just had these songs and they were tailored for us. That's what we said. And he was right. You know, I was like, wow. But to show you, I Don't Want to Lose Your Love is the one that you liked of ours. When I sat there and played that song, it was like, uh, <laughs> what's the girl in Proud Mary? Um, Tina Turner. Tina Turner. I started off slow. Uh, dinner's ready. Dum, dum, dum. And the wine is chilled. My baby's coming up. See, I had it so slow. And then when it came to like the... A torch song. It was a torch song, right. And then when it came to the... Uh, 
verse, I said, because I don't want to lose your love. And then Maurice said, hey, Wanda, you know, that's a good song. Let's take the tempo and do this to it and do that and do that. But Reese is a song about my first love and I can't sing that fast. It's got to be something like I'm telling a story. He said, well, you know, that story is 10 minutes. There's no record that's 10 minutes long. So we're going to have to do something to get to that. I don't want to lose your love. Boom. Uh, quicker. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then, you know, I, I saw he knew what he was talking about. So we did it his way. And then Freddie got on the drums, his brother, and uh, Verdine got on the bass. And I'm like, they've never heard this, have they? But anyway, they're professionals. <laughs> so they they just and started playing it faster, you know. I don't want to lose your love. I and I kind of liked it, you know. And then, <laughs> anyway, it turned out to be that way. I was like, how could he hear that? How could he hear that? But yeah. Were, 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 you, were you guys without a deal, though, when you went to that Yeah, level? without a deal. Mm -hmm. were, uh, well, we, so were, we were in uh, his, his basement. We were in between because we just stacks had just folded. They had a whatever had happened with stacks, and so we were looking for a new situation. And uh, that's when Ron Ellison said, "You got to come over to Charles Stepney. You know he's doing Earth, Wind, and Fire, and Ramsey, and they get and Denise Williams. So you guys would be the girl group. It'd be perfect." And he was right. I didn't realize that you had so many of those songs before you actually, you know, came into oh, that camp. Wow. Yes, yes, we did. What well, you mean before the uh, Flowers album, or the yeah, yeah, that you yeah. actually brought some songs into that yeah. that you already had. Yeah, because Sheila was always writing. I mean, she would write about anything. She'll write about snow. <laughs> she would write. She'll see the flower. Look at that flower. There's a flower over there. And it's a, I mean, she'll just sing, and you would swear that song is going to be a hit because you know she just sings like that, no matter what she sings. So, <laughs> but. Mine, it seems like I always had to be a, not calamity, but uh, there has to be a situation and then you come out of it. Mommy, you know? I've got to do a little bit of my favorite song that you sing. What? Fill me What's that one? Oh. Fill me with chance today. That was, lead me out to be me. You showed me how. I was different then, one of a kind, you see, life has been for me, a menagerie that's destined to fade, oh yeah, like a stepping stone, I'm depending on the way things come in time. All things come in time. Crystal clear and divine. Won't you open your eyes? And when we first showed him that, we was like, Reese, this got to be the first song. That, because it was talking about my father and how he brought us together and how we, you know, we found out things as we grew up with him. And all things come in time. So don't worry, don't be so fast to push yourself through. You know, it'll happen for you. You just have to take your time. And it's wow, beautiful. <laughs> and I see that the your uh, singing talent was not as uh, continued uh, off off camera there. Oh yes. Oh yeah, Miss Wendy. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. Did I? Oh, I think I sent you a picture of us singing together. Maybe not. I don't know. Oh, I'll send it to him. Send him to Vegas. Okay. Oh, okay. So what can you tell us about what it was like to work and spend time with Maurice White? What was what was he like as a musician, as a, as a man? Okay. 76, 77, we were on tour with Earth, Wind & Fire. Domestic American tour, 76, and then 77, we went to Europe, UK, and did all uh, Scotland, I mean, all the European countries. And every time they would come on, I would just, I don't know why I didn't get tired of it. I don't know what, I mean, I would have to sit there and just, when they come on with the antics and the, all that, and that harmony, the, I say the production that they did. And he was so much into our production. That's what really did something. I'm like, how are we going to go up against that? They've got this and that. But of course he got someone to come in and work with us and, and have uh, the steps and have all of that together. And they said, you were there every night. How do you get tired of standing? I know. And Denise Williams, I wouldn't miss her. She would come on. And then uh, Ramsey Lewis, us, Denise, there's one on fire. What a show. And those two years, I mean, every time I'm on stage, I have to be there. And then when they come to, what's Philip's song, uh, Reasons? Mm. They say, Wanda, you're singing too loud. <laughs> on stage, I mean, off stage, but... <laughs> You're singing to, but that's how much, you know, I mean, I don't know. I was into him and maybe that word fan, I never did connect with me being a fan because it was music. It was love of music. So to me, a fan is a love of person. Just to me, I know not to no one else, but it's not the person. It's the music that uh, comes out from that person, you know, I mean, whether it's the, the, drums or the but it's or the singing but I don't know I, I said well I, I don't know I've never I looked at myself as a fan of Earth, Wind and Fire but I am a fan of hearing Denise Williams sing me you just got to be me because uh, no one else can do that so. me and the things that Sheila do no one else can do it because I would hear other people do you know you would hear someone do our song and you say Hmm, they missed that. Oh, no, that's not the way that goes. Oh, they, they missed this harmony or they didn't get that right. I mean, you know, because you wonder, how did, how did they miss that? That's the difference in being a fan of the artist and a fan of the music. To me, that, yeah, that's, that's too heavy. <laughs> just... what, 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 what would you say changed, if anything, between your, your first album, Flowers, and mm -hmm. your next one with, with Maurice? that sent you guys to the stratosphere with oh, success. Wow. Yeah. Well, Flowers and I Don't Want to Lose Your Love were the songs uh, on um, the Flowers album, the first album on Rejoice. Of course, it was Best of My Love. And uh, it was more Earth, Wind and Fire, I think, music involved with the emotion sound. Our, all of our, how would you say, our functionary, uh, the way of uh, singing the notes was like a drum, like a drum beat. That's what Maurice used to say. It would sound like you're hitting one of those vibes that they hit, and then that's each one of your notes, and you put them into a rhythm. That's why the emotions, he says, in Earth, Wind, and Fire were meant to be. <laughs> and then I guess I could see that, even on Boogie Wonderland. You know, when we would hit 
And Maurice always sang with us. You know, people say, oh, wow, it sounds like it's more people because Maurice always sang with us <laughs> on our, uh, except for the, uh, what was that song? Don't Ask My Neighbor. He didn't sing on that one. He sang on Walk in the Line. He sang on Bless It. Because mm -hmm. that's Jerry Peters, you know. And, um, but he would sing with us. I was like, Maurice, why don't we sing with us? He said, I can't help it. <laughs> I said, that's good. I, I like that. Anyway, he became my big brother, you know, out of the, he was even, you know, about some people maybe I should hang with and other people I shouldn't. I like that in him too. And he wasn't too preachy or anything, but just enough to let me know I've been out here a while and you're just getting out here and I don't want anything Were, to happen. One of you, like one of the first people that you and dad went to go see if y'all got married? Yes. As a matter of fact, I introduced him to my husband way before I knew he was going to be my head. Well, I already knew it. He didn't know. <laughs> but as he said, Bring me. Work that way. let me see you know, what this guy is about. And I did. And uh, I said, well, he's a keyboard player, you know, so he can write some songs. And he said, OK, yeah, just bring him over. And so we did. And I would bring him to the uh, and. Wayne was one of those guys, he wasn't a real mouthy guy. So we just like that, that he just sat in the studio and just absorb, you know, and then when he asks you something, you'll say something. So, uh, and talking to Reese, he said, yeah, man, so you play a little bit, huh? Well, let, let me see what, of course, uh, they started. And what was the first one? It wasn't, uh, I wanna be with you or, yeah. I wanna be with you. That song that the Earth, Wind and Fire did on their, one of their albums, the first album, that one in 77, I think, 78. Mm -hmm. And that went in side by side. Wayne showed him that and they wrote it and he finished it and they sung it. Let's groove tonight. Wayne wrote it, showed it to Reese. He put on another whole part to it. Yeah, that this groove. It's all right. And what part did he put on? Let's groove tonight. That's what he came up with. Yeah. And the spice of light. And that, you know, and I was like, and I mean, Bobby, it's but, like it just but, fit in. I mean, like, how did he know? And, and what was your line on there that everybody knew? Oh, uh, 747 and, oh, yeah. Move yourself and let the sky among the clouds in the head. And I was like, oh, Reese ain't going to like that, though, because it sounds too, what do you call no, it? Uh, <laughs> but he liked it because I know, but because 747s were, that was the big thing at that time. <laughs> That our, our songs would glide like a 747. And, uh, but anyway, he liked it. Oh, no, Wanda, that's not what I, I thought it was too. Uh, what's that thing with kids' song? You know, it's too. Sing, sing songy? Yeah, too, too, too songy, too, uh, you know. But he said, no, I love it. I love it. I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> but anyway, it, it, was, it was wonderful. And then him and my uh, husband became friends for life. Um, I mean, he was the greatest experience that happened with me musically. Uh, besides my dad, Maurice is the next, yes. <laughs> was, was Best of My Love, when you guys wrapped it, were you certain then, before the public even got it, that it was going to be a, a hit, or, or you just were not sure? Well, um, it, well, only reason I was not, when we recorded the song, Maurice came over at the Little Franklin Hotel where we were staying. He said, I want you to do the song. I'm going to bring it over. I know we didn't go over today in the studio, but just listen to it. See what you think. So um, it was Best of My Love. And uh, 
So it was in the key that he was singing, which is lower or octave lower. So when I came in the next day, I sung it in the key that he sang. He says, Wanda, you got to sing it an octave higher. I said, well, I like it down here. It's made of staples. You know, it's so it's that lower. <laughs> he went, no, you got to sing it. I mean, I went, uh, doesn't take much. And he was, doesn't take much to me. You know, his me happy. So I was singing it like that. He said, Wanda. You got to sing it. I, I said, I don't sing up there. Sheba sings in that key. I don't sing. He said, just belt it out. That's okay. We'll, whatever you put down the first one, we'll just see. If it don't work, don't, don't matter. I said, okay. So I, I didn't have, I was cool. So I sang it and I belted it out like he said. And uh, that was the take that that guy, the engineer, that was the one that won all those Grammys, that won that that was the take that they kept. That's like, wow, that was my first one. Excuse me. <laughs> that was the magic right there. Right there. When when I when I first sang it though, I was going like he said belt it, and I know what belt it means because I'm a gospel singer. So I was doing it like what's that Kelly Clarkson or somebody, you know, <laughs> that American Idol, you know, okay, you want me to belt it? All right. I'm going, you know, just to show you this ain't, you know. And uh, sure enough, that was the one they kept. They kept trying to, let's go do another, let's do another. But they didn't like any of them besides the first one I did. And I was like, I don't even know how that came out like that. I mean, I just, and then I thought it was too fast. And then he said, no, it's not too fast. Mother. You got this thing about too fast. And uh, I was that way with Smile. I thought Smile was too fast. But then it was disco period, it was the 80s. So, you know, that was different. Did you want to tell you around with me? Smile, baby, baby, won't you smile? Oh, yeah, I thought that I was like, why is it so fast? But he said, that's the disco. It's got to go, you know, they had these beats. When your beat is between 40 and 60 or something, that was the, that's where you want to be, some slot with the beats going so many times per minute. I didn't know anything about that. You know, Reese is a drummer, so he knew all about, <laughs> about that. And he said, no, that's where you want your, dance song. That's what it was. We want you to have a dance. We know you guys can do uh, ballads, but a dance song lasts longer. He always said that it has a life. Anyway, like that. I'm like, okay, so he's right. <laughs> well, of course, that, that was one of the biggest hits of that entire year. I mean. <laughs> entire year. And then when the, I saw in the, um, what was the uh, 100 that used to come out? Uh, the oh. Billboard. The Hot 100? Yeah. Yeah. We were, uh, uh, my love. the other guys who sung the same title, what each week. The Eagles. The Eagles. They would be number one and we would be number two. And then the next week we would be number one and they would be number two because the title was the same title. But of course it wasn't the same song, but uh, we thought that was something. We got, I got to hang it up in my, in my wall. <laughs> yeah, that was quite an accomplishment. How did, how did your life change after you became that successful? Well, uh, well, I moved from Chicago, and and I was telling Reese, I said, "Well, Reese, I'd go to New York or here because you know I want to write for other groups." And I wonder, he said, "You got to come out here. You got to come to Los Angeles. We can hook up. You want to write?" And then I wrote for Patty Labelle. And I wrote some songs for Aretha. I had songs, and I had all. So I would come in there and sing them just like Aretha, because I could sing it like her. And she said. He said, you trying to take over my 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 uh, song uh, ability? I said, no, Rita, no. I mean, she was just the coolest person. But 
when I was singing just like her, she thought that was, uh, I didn't have to do that. But it was really funny. It was really funny. And, um, but, she, but he said, you, you're in here because my son loves your voice so much. And uh, the song that you sent in, he thinks that's a great song for me. Uh, uh, the Ladiva album. That's what it was on. What, what year about are you talking? Uh, Ladiva. That was the name of the album, uh, of the Aretha album. Um, and it had to be because we had just finished Neighbors. We had done the, and Mar um, who wrote Neighbors? Uh, Scarborough. Skip Scarborough was producing Aretha Franklin. So he brought me in there. And Aretha has no one, I don't know if you know, she has no one coming to her segment ever. You can't do it. Not done. She said, it's Wanda? <laughs> well, I got to let Wanda in because my son. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of his name. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. She has a huge Oh, gosh. But this one, I mean, I remember so well his face. But anyway, he said, Mama, this song, you got to do this song. She, it's just for you. It sounds like you. Because I really wrote it for her. And I was just surprised. Uh, 2,000 miles away from me. That's not. That's another one I wrote. She didn't take that one. But um, oh, why can't I remember it? Yes. Okay. Set late seventies, right? Yes, it is the seventy. It was the seventies. Yeah. Uh, Seventy-seven had to be. Mm -hmm. You guys um, toured with the Commodores, also, is that right? And Commodores seventy-seven, seventy-six. It was Earth, Wind, and Fire tour, uh, domestic and European. Seventy-seven. It was. Uh, Mm. Baby, um, the, Commodores. The, the Ladiva album was 79. The Ladiva album was 79. Okay. She just looked it up. And uh, 79, I mean, 77 was the Commodores. And then 78 was Brothers Johnson. Mm -hmm. And that's when I met my husband because he was playing with Brothers Johnson. And he was there. Da, 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 da. He played that part. A strawberry letter. Um, Strawberry 23, letter. yeah. Strawberry Letter 23. And so, and my husband also, well, he wrote Let's Groove. So they got that. I mean, he was always a funketeer, they called him. And I was like, oh, okay, he's the funketeer. And Maurice said, he that's why we wrote so well together. Because I didn't know, any, you know, I didn't have any jazz albums. All my albums were gospel. And uh, when we moved, when we got married, I had all these albums that I was bringing from Chicago and they were gospel. He said, honey, we're not. I said, well, we're not taking your jazz albums then. <laughs> if I can't have my gospel. But anyway, he thought that the reason I wrote the way I did is because the mixture with Wayne, uh, with his jazz uh, part, and then mine with the uh, gospel, he said, that's why you could write these hooks. He said, every time I came for a hook, I'd come to you. Side by side. Uh, I don't know if you remember that on the. Yeah, that's a good track. It used to be said? carpet ride. Ride, a car ride, ride, ride. We're going to have a carpet ride, ride, ride. And we was like, oh, that don't sound right. Then he went, then I went side by side. He said, Wanda, that's it. And I was like, oh, he always says that to me. <laughs> and I like that. But anyway, um, so yeah. I think that's why we wrote, yeah, together so well. 